This is a special edition podcast of the Eight Cow Life called A Cup of Joel, What the Word of Wisdom Has to Do with the First Vision. This is the Eight Cow Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Welcome everybody to a special edition podcast of The 8 Cow Life. This is an episode that will air the first Sunday of every month, and it will consist of topics about the gospel from the perspective of a good friend of mine named Joel Harper. Joel and I have known each other for several years now, and he has had so many insights that I have enjoyed talking with him about over the years that I decided I wanted to to be able to share his wisdom and perspective with each of you. While this episode of the podcast falls under the eight cow life, it does have its own name. It is going to be called A Cup of Joel. That was my decision, not Joel's, but I love it and I think it's perfect. It is a play on words, of course, since we Mormons don't drink coffee. I like to think of a cup of Joel as hot chocolate. So as you listen, make yourself a cup of hot chocolate and sit back and enjoy the great things Joel has to share with each of you. Being this is our first episode and my first time interviewing someone over the computer, the sound quality is not quite what I would like it to be, but we will get better with each episode, I'm sure. Without further ado, let's hear what Joel has to say this month. Welcome to the podcast, everybody, this week. I am excited. This is actually a special edition podcast that I'm adding that will be airing every first Sunday of the month. And if you're LDS, that's fast Sunday. But I wanted to be able to share with you some wisdom of a great friend that I have. His name is Joel Harper. And I just love his perspective on gospel topics and his wisdom that he's shared with me over the years that we've known one another. I want to jump right in and be able to have him be able to talk about just some fun gospel topics that we will discuss once a month, and hopefully all of you will enjoy that. This month, we're going to talk about the correlation between the word of wisdom and the first vision. And if you're as perplexed as I am when I first read that, you're in a good place. So I'm going to let Joel introduce himself and get started on what he exactly means by this title that we're going to talk about today. Well, hello, Megan, and thank you for that uh, introduction. It was full of false doctrine. Um, (laughs) And uh, I'm sure our listeners will be just as perplexed after we're done as they are right now. Um, Hello, everyone. Um, One thing, Megan said that is true, is that she and I are indeed good friends. Uh, we've been friends for a number of years. Um, How long have say, we been friends? I was thinking about that the oh, other day. Weeks and weeks. Um, weeks. <laughs> and years and years. Years and years. Uh, when did you point, move to St. Louis? Six years ago. Okay. So it's been, so it's six, been years. six years. And, and he um, just moved away. That's correct. I am back the in nerve. North Carolina, so we'll hear a funny accent. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, we talk, and that funny accent is Meg's. I'm the one who speaks normally now. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Megan and her husband, my wife and I, I don't know how we became good friends, um, but we just went out to dinner together. We'd chat. Uh, we'd pass notes when we should have been listening in Sunday school class about what was being discussed. I don't know, but <laughs> gradually we just kept bouncing ideas off of each other. And not only was it fun, but I, I found it edifying. It helped me clarify my thoughts and, and feelings. And Meg yeah. said, why don't we continue that relationship in podcast form? The jury's right. still out on whether uh, this is a good idea or not. We will look to our listeners to let us know that. The sound yeah. of silence, uh, Megan, that we hear out there, <laughs> everybody going about their lives and turning us off. That's right. I don't think that's going to happen. I have a lot of people who've already been like, Joel Harper's going to be on your podcast. I'm so excited. So. I can't wait to hear what stupid thing he's going to say now. <laughs> I remember him from St. Louis. I think they'll probably tune in more to listen to you than to me. Oh so my goodness gracious. We may just have to like make you a regular on the podcast every week if that's the extent. You can't afford me. Here's what we're going to talk about today, Meg. Okay, I'm excited. Um, perhaps like many of our listeners, my understanding of the word of wisdom really expanded as I better understood what happened to Joseph Smith in the Sacred Grove. And perhaps like some of our listeners, I never would have understood the link between the first vision and the word of wisdom if it not were if it were not for a dear relative of mine and her inability to tell a story without losing herself in tangents. Perhaps some of you have a relative like mine. Let's protect her identity. Let's call her mom. I love my mom to death, and she is a strong and righteous woman, but she cannot tell a linear story to save her life. She will telephone me and say, Joel, do you want to hear the latest about your crazy cousin Floyd? I am always up for a good crazy cousin Floyd story, so I say, sure. So she'll start. Well, I met your Aunt Jenny at the Belks Cafeteria for lunch earlier this week. Our waitress was wearing the most interesting brooch on her uniform. It was in the shape of an elephant. It was gold, and it had what looked like a red ruby for its eye. I wondered if she purchased it in India or someplace. I wondered how a waitress could afford to go to India on the salary of a Belk's waitress. Um, but I asked her, uh, mom would continue, I'd ask her about the brooch and the waitress would say she picked it up at the thrift store for a dollar and she gets lots of compliments about it. Then mom will go on about, wow, when you go to the thrift store, you never know what great bargains you can find. You've got to be willing to hunt for them. And she'll go on and on about the thrift store. And finally, I'll realize mom is nowhere near talking about Crazy Cousin Floyd. And I'll have to stop her and say, mom, we're here to talk about Crazy Cousin Floyd. I'm not interested in fashion statements from your waitress at Belk's Cafeteria. And she'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And she'll get back on track talking about Crazy Cousin Floyd. But it probably won't be a few more minutes before she'll be sidetracked onto something else. And I'll have to bring her back to the story at hand. As I've read the Joseph Smith story through the years, I've often thought that Joseph Smith had a bit of my mother in him when he describes what he did and what happened to him immediately after the first vision ended. We've all read the fascinating story about the first vision and about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ appearing to Joseph Smith. And right after the actual vision part ends, you know, I, like everyone else, is excited to know what happened next. 
What did the neighbor say? What did your friend say? What did, how did your family react? So what did Joseph Smith do with this incredible experience? I'm all excited to find out, you know, what happens next. And Joseph Smith says, when I came to myself, I found myself lying on my back. And I stop right there and I go, well, great. He took a nap. <laughs> Maybe he had a ham sandwich. I don't care about that. What happened next in the story? And sure enough, right after that, Joseph Smith goes on and talks about, you know, what happened with his family when he talked to them. We talked to neighboring preachers and their reaction. And, and he continues with his narrative. This brief interlude that Joseph gives us about him lying on his back always made me smile. It never detracted from the story of the first vision, but I never gave it much credence either. It was always, to me, one of those throwaway lines that we include when we're giving a narrative about something, a small tangent, if you will, that it was never a part of the main story that I came to hear. Then one day, probably for the first time, uh, as I wore my reading glasses so I can see the fine print, I'm reading the first vision and I noticed the phrase, lying on my back, was accompanied by a footnote. And that piqued my interest. Perhaps Joseph noting that he took a nap was not a throwaway line. Perhaps it was not an inconsequential tangent to his main story. So I followed the footnotes. The first footnote took me to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel had just had a glorious vision of the Lord, and when his vision was over, he found that he had no strength. In fact, Daniel says he went into a deep sleep with his face towards the ground. Well, immediately that reminded me of Joseph Smith, who said that when he came to, you know, he was, I'm assuming, asleep, but, you know, kind of facing up to the sky. The next footnote took me to Lehi's vision of the destruction of Jerusalem. And after receiving this vision, Nephi tells us that Lehi went and cast himself upon his bed. The next footnote took me to Lehi's narrative of his building the boat. And in this part of the story, he touches and shocks his brothers. And he says, I am full of the spirit, or I'm full of the spirit of God insomuch that my frame has no strength. The next footnote took me to Ammon on his mission and being reunited with his brethren. And he says that he was swallowed up in the joy of God, even to the exhausting of his strength. The next footnote took me to the story of Moses. And after his experience with the burning bush, we read that it was for the space of many hours before Moses did again receive his natural strength. Now, I realize I am slow, Megan, and late to the party, but after reading all of these stories, I had what I call my word of wisdom epiphany. I had to look up epiphany to make sure I'm using it in the right context, and I am. I had my word of wisdom epiphany, and again, this epiphany is something that probably most of our listeners came to years ago. And the epiphany was this, spiritual experiences consume physical energy. I had never considered this before. This epiphany or revelation opened up the word of wisdom to me, word of wisdom to me in ways that I had never thought about before, new and exciting ways. I had always considered the word of wisdom an excellent health code. 
if I follow the word of wisdom, I give myself a better shot of living a long and healthy life. The word of wisdom does all of this. But this epiphany made me think that at its core, perhaps a primary purpose of the word of wisdom, if not the primary purpose of the wisdom, of the word of wisdom, is to prepare me to receive spiritual experiences. And then I started to connect more dots. I said to myself, the human body, if I've given my body uh, you know, too much processed sugar, not enough sleep, not enough exercise, too many chemicals and stimulants, perhaps I have put myself not in the best place to receive spiritual experiences. On the other hand, a human body, given the proper amounts or ratios of grains, whole grains, herbs, vegetables, exercise, sleep, etc., could be better equipped to receive spiritual experiences, um, the spiritual experiences that I would like to have. Now, qualifier, you know, of course, can a person that is not in the best of physical shape have spiritual experiences? Well, of course we can. Jabba the Hutt can have a spiritual experience if Heavenly Father wants Jabba the Hutt to have a spiritual experience. <laughs> to me, the main point of why we were given the word of wisdom, I always thought, was to help me maximize my potential to be healthy, physically healthy. Because of this epiphany, I've added to that, that a main point of why we were given the word of wisdom is to help me maximize my ability to be spiritual. Again, that was something I had not considered before until I read the word of the first vision and connected all these dots with all these footnotes. But like I said, I am slow and late to the party, and perhaps a number of your listeners came to this realization a long time ago. What do you think? I, I love it. I think it's so great. And I have my first question is Does Belk's Cafe really exist? <laughs> In Raleigh, North Carolina, actually, it does. <laughs> okay. Go down to Crabtree Valley Mall to Hudson Belk. Yes, there's a cafeteria where you can get a salad with my mom and Aunt Jenny. Okay. And does is there really a crazy cousin Floyd? I changed that name to protect the innocent as well. <laughs> Along with mom. Mom, right. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> All right. Well, when I come to North Carolina sometime, we'll have to go to Belk's Cafe. We'll do that. A so beautiful can, waitress. You wouldn't believe yeah, the jewelry she wears. Who has the brooch of the elephant. So <laughs> I'm excited. No, I think you bring up a really good point. I think first off, the point that I'd like to make is that, you know, there's so much meaning in the scriptures that we um, often don't access because maybe we don't read the footnotes. So we need to start reading more footnotes. Well, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. They weren't just put there because some GA needed something to do for a day. I, <laughs> I, but I don't, do you think that they do footnotes? They're the ones that do footnotes? Eh, it's probably some, you know, clerk. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> some so. in religious school intern. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, I think the interesting question for me is for you is have you ever had an experience like the examples that you gave that have left you physically spent? Sadly, I have to answer that no. Um, um, but I'll, I'll remove the kind of the jovialness from my voice. You know, you've all had spiritual experiences. But no, I, I can't say that I've had a spiritual experience that has left me physically drained. But let me segue that, because I think to your follow-up question is, 
are we doing something wrong? Or is there something wrong with that? Um, am I living below my privileges by not having you know this type of experience? Yeah. Most of the examples that were quoted in all these footnotes were visions of deity. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's be honest, that just doesn't happen to 99.99% of us ever. You really, and nor should it. You know, these are unique circumstances that are given to us in the scriptures to, to teach broad lessons. Um, my spiritual experiences have you know, just been small line upon line types of insights. And, and no, they, they haven't left me exhausted. In fact, I have to say kind of the opposite when it comes to fasting. You know, I have fasted many times where really all I did was go hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't give it the effort that it deserved. And at the end of the 24 hours, I was hungry <laughs> mm-hmm. and just went to eat. But there have been times, and perhaps you can relate, where I've had something really meaningful that focused me for a fast. And at the end of that fast, I was not hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt, you know, I could go another day without eating. No, I didn't. I would eat. But I have had spiritual fast where I just felt, I guess I can't say I felt full, but I didn't feel hungry in the slightest. Uh, maybe that's relating to what we're talking about here. Maybe not. Um, yeah. But I suspect, right, for, for the purpose of this discussion today, I'd say it's a, a matter of scale. If I were to have a vision in person with deity, I suspect it would wipe me out. Um, but the spiritual experiences I, I tend to have don't consume enough energy that I notice it. Right. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Greg, a long time ago, well, not a long time ago. We've only been married 14 years. It's not that long. <laughs> <laughs> it but, feels like a long time. <laughs> but I remember um, he says often, and he has talked about this, where he talks about that vision that Lehi had. And Nephi's reaction to that vision was, I want to see what my dad saw. And Greg has said, well, why can't all of us see what Lehi saw? Maybe we should just ask to see it. And I think that that's an interesting um, perspective to have because, you know, obviously these men that you talk about in the scripture are, were prophets, you know, right. so they have that calling and that charge to have uh, relations with deity to perhaps see him when necessary for the going forth of their preaching and their mission on the earth. I do believe that if God wants to show us a vision and if it's necessary in our missions, you know, that that will happen if we are prepared to receive it. So true. I don't know. Yeah. True. So uh, agreed. I never thought, frankly, till this conversation to ask if uh, I could have that vision myself. I don't think I'm going to. I'm, con- <laughs> I'm content with my testimony. You of don't want to see the, uh, all the destruction. and. Well, no, I actually am more worried that Heavenly Father would just say, uh, no. <laughs> I'm not showing it to Sorry. you. Sorry. <laughs> That's on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think that that's, I I liked that perspective that he said, though, because I think it makes it, you realize that you can ask God anything. And if he decides to show it to you, then that's great. And if not, that's okay, too. Well, true. And, you know, and God has said we can receive direct revelation on specific topics. You know, the Moroni Book of Mormon promise, 
anybody can receive direct revelation whether or not the Book of Mormon is true. We've been told by our leaders that every time we have a prophet change, we can know for ourselves that the new person is indeed our prophet. So those are two examples that come to mind where we've been promised the same insight everybody else had. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times God doesn't necessarily reveal things to us um, not because he doesn't want to, but he doesn't want to make us responsible for having known those well, things. Fair point. Fair you know? point as well. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're responsible, then the, the stakes go up on your, what you have to do with that information. True as well. True. So. Plus, once you know, you know, and then you don't have faith anymore because you know. Mm-hmm. And for my personal development, it's probably more important that I develop my faith in these areas than my knowledge mm-hmm. at this point in time anyway. Right. Great. Great discussion. So um, I just wanted to discuss that I, you know, I think that every physical law has um, spiritual blessings that go along with it, a spiritual law that goes with it. And I think that sure. what you spoke of today is a perfect example of that. And the word of wisdom was given in a day when it was okay to smoke tobacco and drink tea and coffee and alcohol and many of the side effects, negative side effects of those substances were not known back then. But now with modern research and um, modern medicine, we know how detrimental those consuming those substances can be for one's body. True. So since now that we know that sugar is also bad for you, <laughs> why do you think that was not included in the word of wisdom? And what do you think would happen if the prophet came out and outlawed refined flour and sugar? today oh my goodness <laughs> we would have like half the membership of the church leaving well my goodness all right well let's uh back up for a quick minute uh, i suspect to keep the uh torches unlit from storming your house we better not say sugar is bad for you <laughs> um i would i could postulate that high fructose corn, corn syrup is bad for you mm-hmm. and perhaps sugar like anything outside of moderation is bad for you but we won't give out the blanket statement that sugar is bad. You know, it's always been said, you know, there's a thousand different drugs that are bad and they're not all listed. You know, cocaine's not listed. Heroin's not listed. You know, run down the list. Heaven's yeah. word of wisdom would be, you know, the Miles size of the federal tax code if everything <laughs> got listed. So, you know, I suspect in the end, you know, you know where I'm going with this moderation in all things, prudence in all things, use your own best judgment and back in those days, there was no science research to let you know about tobacco. So Heavenly Father had to say. Now, he's like, science isn't wrong. It's not bad. They're right. Mm-hmm. So why do I need to tell you that smoking is bad? Mm-hmm. Listen to the Surgeon General. Mm-hmm. So I, sus- I suspect, you know, at, at this point in time, Heavenly Father doesn't have to list everything. He says, I, you know, I give it to you to make your own decisions on a number of stuff. And as always, the Holy Ghost will prompt us mm-hmm. about what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just see you know, BYU just opened up the campus to caffeine drinks. Right. Shocker. Well, There's yeah. rejoicing everywhere. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, that, that's not licensed just to drink a whole ton of caffeine and get yourself buzzing all night long. Mm-hmm. Moderation of all, all things. Let the Holy Ghost tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'll get on a limb here again, you know, if, if you're 
in Afghanistan and you're in pain and they give you a shot of morphine, well, that's good because that's medicine. But moderation all things, watch it because it can turn bad if you let it. I'm giving primary examples here, primary level right. examples, but you know where I'm going with that. Um, yeah. And heaven forbid the prophet come out and outlaw refined sugar or refined flour. I like what you mentioned that, you know, back in the day when the word of wisdom was given, there was no science and now there is science because I think that God respects science. You know, he lives by laws of science himself. Correct. And I think that that's a really good perspective to have that we, he, he gives us the ability. We have all of that knowledge now. And so he says, I don't need to tell you what to do. You know, you have now uncovered this, this truth, and I'm going to let you make the decision on your own about that. So. And we have, to, we have to add to that something that's very important and, and hard to explain, which is, you know, science will come out on both sides of the argument with each release of a new study. Wine is bad. Oh, now two glasses of wine is good for your heart. You know, coffee is bad. Well, now a cup of coffee a day is good. Now a cup of coffee a day is bad. You know where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. um, we have to watch that because in the end, you know, Heavenly Father doesn't always say why he gives us these commandments. The old Adam sacrifice. Why are you making these sacrifices, Adam? Well, actually, I don't know. God never told me why. He just told me to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, in the end, Heavenly Father didn't really say why hot drinks are bad for you. He didn't quote scientific studies. Mm -hmm. You know, why in the end do we really keep the word of wisdom? Well, because God said so. Mm -hmm. And we follow our prophet and how it's defined today. A scientific study could very well say that uh, a glass of alcohol a day is wonderful and, and better for your heart, but we're still not going to do it because, well, Heavenly Father said so. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Do you agree and with it? I, I could totally, be off base. I totally agree with that because I, I really don't think that Heavenly Father, you know, I think he really, um, let me make sure I word this right. He really honors our agency, but he wants us to follow him. And really it's, we need to just do things because he said, and, and that's the sad thing is, is that the world is getting more and more away from that because they're like, well, that doesn't make me happy. That's not what I want to do. Or science and, says it's okay. Or science says it's okay. Yeah. And I think we don't have to always know why God commands us to do something you just do, you know? I mean, yeah. I always go back to, faith. yeah, I think it's faith, you know? We have been, I always love it when people tell those stories about, say, tithing. Like, I didn't, I had only this much money and I needed this much, but I paid my tithing and then somebody showed up on my doorstep. Right, with, you bag know, of whatever. groceries. And I've never had that experience in my life, but I still pay tithing because I don't want to know what blessings <laughs> I do have. Yes. That I'm just maybe not totally aware of. Because Correct. Because you pay my tithing. Exactly right. And I That's think this exactly right. is true with any commandment that God gives. I don't want to find out what would happen if I didn't do it and what the consequence was, even if I can't see the immediate blessing in my life at the time I'm doing it. There's no 
Well, you know, I want to say there's no bad reason for obeying a commandment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm quoting a mission president of mine. We were chatting about all the many different reasons why missionaries were, went on their missions. You know, mm-hmm. some because they love God. Um, some because their girlfriends wanted them to go. One of my uh, companions said he uh, would get a shotgun when he got home. <laughs> he was from Wyoming. Um, <laughs> if uh, he served a mission. And, you know, we're, some of us elders were like, oh, you know, that's a dumb reason to go on a mission and blah, blah, blah. And our mission president stopped us and said, no, there's no bad reason for going on a mission. But while you're on your mission, your motivation needs to change away from the girlfriend, away from the new car, away from the shotgun, and towards or to, I love my Heavenly Father, and uh-huh. I'm doing this because He wants me to. Right. And I think that in this instance where we're talking about the word of wisdom, we do often think that it is a health code, but I think that what you've brought up today is really important that really it's so that we can commune better with our heavenly father and turn to him and have a better relationship with him and not be hampered by the effects of overeating or being addicted to a caffeinated substance or, you know, not even caffeinated necessarily like a substance that we need or, you know, cigarettes, you know, cause so many health problems, but it is also such an addiction that controls people's lives. And he really wants us to have control of our own lives so that we can turn them over to him. And I think that that's such a great point that you bring up that everything we're asked to do is to turn us more towards our heavenly father and to have a better relationship with him. So I think so. I hope so. Yeah. Well, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, when you had this epiphany about the spiritual benefits of the word of wisdom, did you change anything drastically in the way you ate? You would think so. Wouldn't you? Uh But no, the natural man is an enemy to God. The natural man wants that chocolate chip cookie. Right. Uh, yes, it changed my thinking. And as I get older and closer to seeing God, <laughs> yeah, I, there's more years behind me than ahead of me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, it really has. I, I do have a diet that is far more healthy than I had when I was in my 20s and my 30s. Um, my waistline kind of kept me in check there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like your kids, I could eat anything at the age of 17 and not gain an ounce at the age of 37. That wasn't quite the case. Um, so no, I, I would like to be able to say to the audience, I changed on a dime as soon as I had that epiphany. Um, so also, why do you think God didn't just come out and tell us that the word of wisdom was given so that we could have deeper, more meaningful relationship to, with him? Why is it kind of a hidden message that's in there? I think you might've already kind of. Well, no, that's a great this. question, Meg. Um, I think I'm on solid ground with the epiphany of spiritual experiences consume physical energy because there's too many examples of that in the scriptures that we quoted to make me think otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I'm not sure that I'm correct in connecting the dots that the word of wisdom is designed or given to help me maximize my spirituality. I think I'm right on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a health code and I think we're, you know, I can say, yes, the word of wisdom was given to help me maximize my ability to live a long and healthy life. It doesn't guarantee it obviously, because we'll all get cancers and sicknesses and et cetera, mm-hmm. but, um, it helps me maximize my ability to be healthy. 
is it, am I on solid ground in saying it also helps me maximize my ability to be spiritual and commune with God? Maybe I won't quote that as doctrine. I'm not sure I've heard anyone else quote that as doctrine, who's got the pay grade to quote such things as doctrine. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, so maybe it's, when you say, why is it hidden? I guess my first answer is maybe it's not hidden. Maybe it's just not there at all. Joel just found something that he was looking for, but really isn't there. Mm-hmm. But if it, if it is true, then perhaps the word of wisdom is no different than the parables, where Jesus gave parables to give a message to people who are at one level of understanding, but his parable contained additional messages for folks who were ready mm-hmm. and may have been lost to those who weren't ready at the time. Same with the word of wisdom. It was mm-hmm. given to who? The saints or the least of those who could call themselves saints. Mm-hmm. So it was given to the base level saint and easy to understand as a health code. And as we mature spiritually, perhaps there's more there than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I think it's definitely a piece of our spirituality. I mean, I, I, you know, there's plenty of people out there who live the word of wisdom who are not spiritual. People, True. You know, yes. so I think it's a, I, I think I would look at it more as a piece of my spirituality instead of something that agreed it all up. So that's right. Of know, course. Just like prayer is a part of my spirituality. Reading my scriptures is part of my spirituality. Going to church is part of my spirituality. Serving other people is part of my spirituality. It's just in that all encompassing trying to live each point of my life in the way that God wants me to. You know, it's, it's often been said, I've heard it said that a, a number of you know councils from the prophets are designed to be aids for us. If we don't do them, we're not punished. But if we do do them, they're, they're aids. For example, we're all counseled to keep a journal. Now, if I don't keep a journal, I don't I think there's a sin. There's no you know, crawling to the bishop for forgiveness, no lightning strikes. But I miss out on the benefits and the clarity, the self-reflection that comes from journaling. You know, we're counseled to grow a vegetable garden. Well, if I don't do that, it's not the end of anything. But if I do that, then I gain some benefits from that. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps, you know, again, to the word of wisdom. Yes, we're not supposed to do the, the, the don't. Stay away from the coffee. Stay away from the alcohol. But, uh, you know, if, if I don't get myself well-rested, can I still have spiritual experiences? Sure. But if I am willing to listen to that part of the word of wisdom, the exercise part, does that enhance the spiritual experiences I can have? I'd like to think so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that idea. There's kind of like this line. That's kind of what I, you know, in this instance, we can say there's the absolute do nots and then yeah. there's the line. And then there's the, this would be great if you did this and your life will be better if you do this. Right. And I think that that's true with many things that we're asked to do. In the Correct. Day. I had a Sunday school teacher once throw fasting on that list. I never thought of it that way before. But, you know, she said, you know, pregnant women, nursing women, people who are sick, people who are diabetic, they cannot fast. There's no way they're being punished in any way, shape, or form for not fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for those of us who can fast, if we take advantage of it, you know, there's a blessing there for us, for taking advantage of that wonderful opportunity. And for those who physically can't, Heavenly Father compensates in other ways. Right. But if I choose not to fast, 
I'm not breaking, I'm not sinning. I'm just not taking advantage of a wonderful opportunity for additional spirituality. True or false? True, I think. And I think that's a great place to end our conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you've given my listeners, our listeners, because now you're going to be a regular on the podcast once a month, um, some great little bits of wisdom to chew on for the next month and be able to perhaps give us feedback on. We'd love to hear your feedback on what you think. And we will be back next month. What are we going to be talking about next month, Joel? Have you decided? Yes, I was um, having a bowl of uh, Fritos chips for breakfast this morning. Those are on Uh, the Word of Wisdom, I'm sure. Yes, they are, actually. That's a whole grain. Uh, A bowl of Frito chips? How do you do that? Do you pour milk on them? (laughs) I'm teasing. (laughs) It was actually a Twinkie. Oh, Um, that's better. Oh, boy. Uh, I thought next time we could have a... Um, a nice chat about a uh, comfortable subject uh, that we all hope happens soon, which is the United Order. I know we're all okay. just on bated breath waiting for that to come back. Well, you okay. know, what, did, what does that mean? And why, do we, why did we, at once upon a time, have such a hard time living that thing? And are we any different now? Uh-huh. Okay. I'm excited. That'll be a great discussion. So, Tune in again next time, and we will be discussing the United Order with our very wisdom-filled guest podcaster, now staple podcaster, (laughs) Joel Harper. Until next time, we um, look forward to talking to you again next month, and please give us any feedback. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at meg, M-E-G, at theacowlife.com, and I will for sure forward any emails that you have for Joel so that he can uh, answer those and I will filter out all of the not so nice emails. I'll be his little bouncer for those. So anyway, we hope you have a great week and we will talk to you next month. Bye-bye. Joel and I want to make it clear that we are not official representatives of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All opinions and views expressed here on the podcast are our own. If you would like to learn more about the LDS faith, please visit the church's official website at lds.org.